0: Is there more? Um, are we content with where we are as a church? You know, do you, we've got a lovely church of a lot of loving people, and we care for each other. And as a church that uh, people come to and they sense something different, are we content with how we are? Are we content with how we are with our walk with God? Are you content with, you know, when we first become a Christian, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. There's no doubt about that. But, uh, is there more? And should we be seeking more? And, uh, I thought this is a good talk to think about, a good topic to think about. And I thought we need to look at church history and what's happened over the years. And so I've got a number of readings to read to you and some more I'll put up. Uh, but I thought we'd start right at the beginning with, uh, John the Baptist. It's interesting with John because, um, he was saying, uh, that he's baptizing with water. Um, for those who repent of their sins and turn to God but someone is coming soon who's greater than I am so much greater than I'm not worthy even to be a slave and carry his sandals he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire Matthew and Luke both mention the Spirit and with fire so uh, let's just have a little prayer before we, we start Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us today. I pray that you'd anoint me, Lord, with an ability to give you glory and to to uh, help me with this message. I pray, Lord, for everyone here that we might come to a point where we would seek more. And, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be so powerful today that you will give more and uh, be with us in power, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So... Um, After John the Baptist, Jesus said, um, I tell you the truth in Matthew 11, I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. So um, what's the difference between John the Baptist and, and us now? Well, it's obviously between the old covenant and the new covenant. And when Jesus died, he wiped away our sins. And then we are filled with the Holy Spirit. So what a blessing. We've got a greater spiritual heritage. There's a massive difference. Look at when Jesus sent out the 12 apostles. Uh, Were they filled mightily with the Holy Spirit or what power did they go out in? Matthew 10, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. He sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. So he gave them authority. Jesus had the authority. Before Jesus, Satan had authority on earth when sin came. Uh, But Jesus had authority over Satan and over over, uh, the demons. And uh, so he, and over sickness and over death, and he gave them authority to, uh, to pray for those things. They came back rejoicing. They came back rejoicing. Jesus sent the 72 out. We don't know who the 72 were, but he sent 72 out to go to towns to prepare them from, from when he was coming. And when the 72, in Luke 10, it says, Luke ten seventeen, when the 72 returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. And Jesus replied, I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. Lightning coming down, Satan falling. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So it's interesting with all these people going out and doing all those healings, and and casting demons out of people Did that excitement stay with them? Well you'd have to say no Because when Jesus died Who was there? John All the rest had scattered and, and uh, gone away in hiding So they weren't on power still were they? No So after Jesus died The big difference of course came with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost And so uh, when the day of Pentecost came They were all together in one place Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there's about another 40 verses in that little topic when Peter went, when they all went outside and Peter's preaching to people, but I'd just like to come up to verse 36, which I think is the main point that he was getting to. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Sorry, I haven't got that on the slide. Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter pre- continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. And then this next point, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. So the the Holy Spirit came with the sound of a violent wind. Can you imagine being in that room? So it wasn't a violent wind, but it was the sound of a violent wind that went around the whole room and filled the house, filling, filling the room with this wind. And then they could see the tongues of fire coming on them. So it's what uh, John predicted that uh, the, Jesus was going to send the Holy Spirit with the Spirit and with fire. So it was a different Peter, wasn't it, when he went out to preach. Also, I find it really interesting that Jesus had spoken to 500 people and yet there was 120 people in that room. You wonder what all the others were doing. I think, I don't know what they were doing. They might have been sent out to different places, but um, not everyone that's that's told about what's happening comes. It's often when we have exciting things at church, not everybody comes, but uh, you can miss out if you don't come. But of course, the Holy Spirit still fills people, but uh, it would have been really exciting to be in that room, I reckon, don't you? So did their lives change then? Well, yes, the believers formed a community. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And this is really interesting. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Well, so notice how close they were. They're meeting every single day. They're they're selling things and supporting each other financially and those in need. Um, What an amazing time that church must have been. Now, you see, the apostles were performing miraculous signs and wonders. So healing was going on in the church, wasn't it? Um, obviously. So it was a very exciting place to be. There were 3,120 people at least, and the Lord's adding to that. Could you imagine a church that's got... Would you be content in a church where the apostles are there preaching every day, they're meeting in homes and having a great fellowship together, they're having communion constantly together, and you've got 3,120 in the church, and on power, healings, signs and wonders, would you be content with a church like that? Do you think you're doing enough? Well, I think most people would say, that's a pretty good church. And you'd be happy with that. But it's interesting, should you be seeking more than that? And was there more to get? And and the answer is yes. Um, it's interesting that they had this church going, And everyone was coming, and and they had all these people there, 3,120. But were they getting in trouble from the authorities? No. Were they really reaching out to the community? Well, maybe not, because it was all happening within the church. So they weren't bothering the religious leaders at that stage. They just had this fantastic church going. People were hearing about it, and more were coming and joining in. But were they having an effect on the community? Well, more that happened, the next thing that happened changed everything, everything totally. And it's when in Acts chapter 3 when Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the Beautiful Gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Everyone knows this story, I'm sure, but I just love reading it. It's good. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter says, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but what I have, I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, Get up and walk. And then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping and praising God, he went, in, went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God when they realized He was the lame beggar they'd seen so often at the beautiful gate. They were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. So the thing here was they'd done a public healing. Now how much faith did that public healing go? Peter took the lame man by the right hand. He'd said, be healed in Jesus' name. But he took him by the hand and lifted him up. And as they lifted him up... The healing came. So how brave would we be to do that? I think it's a real challenge to us that faith, you know, we might see someone who's in a wheelchair or um, or not well in many ways, and it's the faith saying, you're healed, come up. That's taking real faith. Let's pray that we can get that faith, yeah? It's a good faith to have. Now, the next thing made a big difference too. Because Peter saw his opportunity and, arrest, and addressed the crowd, arrested the crowd, addressed the crowd. He said, "What is so surprising about this? And why do you stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to His servant Jesus by doing this." This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy, righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead and we are witnesses in this, of this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before, Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Well, you notice that uh, one of the main things here was Peter saw his opportunity to speak. So, I think often um, we're not meant, we're not all going to be preachers like Peter, but we can all, in every situation of our lives, seek an opportunity to speak. Now, that might be to a mate, to a friend to uh, to an opportunity at work, to someone just in the street, to someone in the shop, they might say something and you might have an opportunity to say something um, about Jesus, about our faith. And it's having that, that opportunity that you got to see and be willing to take the step and be willing to make a fool of yourself. And I think uh, that's a scary thing, isn't it? It's scary going out and talking about Jesus, but but having the uh, the encouragement and faith to do so I think that's what we really need to be praying for. So seeing the opportunity and be willing to step in and say something. Now, what happened next was interesting because um, the council got upset. So uh, while P- Peter and John were speaking to the people, they are confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of believers now, now totaled about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So 5,000 men, So half of them might have been married, that's 7,500. If they had one child, that's about 10,000. So by this public healing, suddenly the church has grown from 3,120 to maybe at least 10. Or if they had more than one child, it might have even been 15,000. So it's had a dramatic effect in the community, hasn't it? The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders of the teachers of religion met in Jerusalem they brought in the two disciples and demanded, "By what power or in whose name have you done this?" I haven't got this on a slide. I'll put that up later. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, "Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed?" Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified but whom God raised from the dead. This is the one referred to in scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Because you can imagine the risk that they were taking speaking to the council like this. So they were bold and they're standing up for Jesus. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognised them as men who'd been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred amongst themselves. What should we do with these men? They asked each other. We can't deny that they performed a miraculous sign and everyone in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak in the name of Jesus. Speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but finally they let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a a man who had been uh, lame for more than 40 years. Now, the council threatened them. Now, this threat is not just a minor threat. The council had authority to kill them. They knew that their lives were in danger. They had authority to do all sorts of things, cast them out of the fellowship and do all sorts of things. um, And their threat was absolutely real. Their lives were in danger. You know, but after this happened, there was a new start to the church. They were filled with encouragement. You know, it was it was amazing. This public healings happened. The whole of the the Jerusalem's heard about it. There's all this excitement going on. They've got suddenly got instead of three thousand one hundred and twenty, they got maybe ten or fifteen thousand people. I mean, it's an excitement that was going on there, wasn't it? And uh, what a time! The the rulers were jealous that they were they obviously they were jealous that they might have lost some of their power and authority. And they never wanted to do that. So now they've got this. Do you think they would have been content or would they have wanted more? Now they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. You know how the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost and they had the tongues of fire come on them. So is there more of the Spirit to give than that? So do you think the Holy Spirit could have done more? I know, I know most of you are going to know the story, but it's just really good to see it that there is more that the Holy Spirit can always give. And let's have a look at it. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Now this, I reckon, is one of the most powerful prayers that has ever been spoken. It's an amazing prayer with an amazing effect. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle, the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this happened here in this very city For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate the governor, the Gentiles and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. You notice that they're not asking for protection. They're not asking, Lord, save us from these people, protect us, hide us away, show us where to go. They're asking for, to get great boldness to preach the word. They're so encouraged. They're saying, give us great boldness to preach your word. They're saying, give us healing power, help us to heal people. They're saying, let miraculous signs and wonders be done. And the Holy Spirit can do that even today. There's no doubt that the Holy Spirit does it today. So isn't it amazing? They're not looking to hide away, but they're looking to do more and more. So they're seeking more. And how did the Holy Spirit answer? A nice bit. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Now... I reckon if this building shook, I reckon it might be a bit scary. <laughs> I don't know if it'll stand still. This roof's a bit timid, isn't it? Old. But, uh, can you imagine the building shaking through a prayer, through the Holy Spirit coming? That's power, isn't it? And that's more than what happened on the day of Pentecost. And, uh, so there is more to have, more to seek and more to have. And, and their prayers were answered. All the believers were united in heart and mind. All of them united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. This is reading from verse 32. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was among them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring money to the apostles to give to those in need. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people and all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade but no one else dared to join them even though all the people had high regard for them. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord Crowds of both men and women. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits and they were all healed. So let's look at this. They were performing miraculous signs and wonders. They were meeting regularly at the temple and no one dared to join them because of what they were afraid of from the council, from the Jewish leaders, what they could have done to their families and their lives. However, even though they were frightened, people were just being converted. They were coming, more and more were coming as a result of the apostles' work, it's interesting that the work they were working, they just weren't sitting back, they were working like mad. And sick people were brought into the streets on their beds and mats. So these people were too ill to walk. So they're picking up their beds that they are in and carrying them to, to for healing and picking them up on mats and carrying them for healing. And so uh, in the hope that Peter's shadow <laughs> might fall upon them and they might be healed and crowds from the villages around Jerusalem. So they're talking about not just the towns, not just Jerusalem, but around. So if it happened in Blackheath, if we had a great revival and all this was happening in Blackheath, we're talking about Mount Victoria and Lawson and Bathurst and up through Katoomba and what falls down to Penrith, it's an exciting time of all these crowds coming for healing. Now, with Peter's shadow, do you think Peter's shadow had power? Well, I don't think the power was in Peter's shadow, I think the power was the Holy Spirit filling Peter to such a level that it was just coming out of him. The Holy Spirit was just filled him. He held the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so people recognised that and they came in faith for healing. And so him just walking down the street and them seeing just being near him, the Holy Spirit was so strong that they were healed. And do you think that would only happen to Peter? Or do you think, the Holy Spirit can fill people in such a way um, in the more modern days. There's a lot of people say, oh, the Holy Spirit only did things back then. And that's a great wrong to say to the Holy Spirit. I reckon God would grieve so much of people saying that because it's a lie. The Holy Spirit is still powerful at work amongst us. Now, there was a great um, man, Charles Finney. I'm sure most of you might have heard, a lot of you might have heard of Charles Finney. He was a great... Um, um, revivalist, evangelist. And he held the presence of the Holy Spirit in such a powerful way. He walked into a factory once and he didn't say a word. And all he did was go into the factory and all the workers in the factory fell on their knees in repentance. The power of the Holy Spirit was so powerful there. He was on a train once and they went through a town, which as the train went through the town, the town went into revival There was a number of people, but another one was Smith Smith Wigglesworth. Now he did the same on a train, but he walked into a carriage and sat down and all the people in the carriage fell on their knees in repentance. So is there more? There is more. There's Bill Johnson. I, I really like Bill Johnson. He's a revivalist and he does some great stuff. And he had been filled with the Holy Spirit and he hadn't followed on on it and he lost what he had had, and he was pleading with the Holy Spirit for more. He said, whatever the cost, I've got to have more. And he said, Lord, if you fill me again, I won't waste it. I'll spend my life working for you. He said, I must have more, whatever the cost. And he was pleading so much that he was even praying in his sleep. His wife testified and he went to conferences and blokes were sleeping in the same room and they could hear him praying in his sleep. That's pleading, isn't it? So isn't that getting it in your heart for more? So, And he was, God follows through on those prayers. So if you want more of the Holy Spirit in your life, God will give it to you. But it depends, are you just praying a little wishy-washy prayer every now and then or a meaningful prayer to you? But are you getting deep into it and seeking it deeply? God is willing to give you more. Are you happy where you are right now? Or do you want to take a step ahead And get into more. We're not all meant to be evangelists and preachers, but we're all meant to do more. We are all meant to be able to preach the word at every opportunity. And we're all meant to get out into this community and make a difference. So they'd reached another level in the church, hadn't they? Another level totally from where they first began, when they had the 3,000. So it's very exciting. Now, what happened next, of course was the apostles met opposition. The high priest and his officials were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles, so they arrested all the apostles and put them in jail. Now, I find the next little bit hilarious because, anyway, that's my sense of humor, but the angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord came and opened the gates of the jail and brought them out. Then he told them, Go to the temple and give the people this message of life. So they're in jail. This angel lets them out and doesn't say, go and hide. Go, go. But he said, go into the temple and preach the word. Don't you think that's brilliant? <laughs> so at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple, as they were told, and immediately immediately began teaching. When the high priest and his officials arrived, they convened the high court the full assembly of the elders of Israel. So they're all there. Then they sent for the apostles to be brought from the jail for trial. But when the temple guards went to the jail, the men were gone. (laughs) So they returned to the council and reported, the jail was securely locked with the guards standing outside. But when we opened the gates, no one was there. When the captain of the temple guard and the leading priests heard this, They were perplexed, wondering where it would all end. Then someone arrived with startling news. The men you put in jail are standing in the temple teaching the people. The captain went with his temple guards and arrested the apostles, but without violence, for they were afraid the people would stone them. Then they brought the apostles before the high council, where the high priest confronted them. We gave you strict orders, never again to teach in this man's name. He said. Instead you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, We must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging on a cross, hanging him on a cross. Then God put him in the place of honour at his right hand as Prince and Saviour. He did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit who is given by God to those who obey him. Now, when they heard this, the high council was furious and decided to kill them. So the the passage goes on where one of the members of the high council convinced them not to kill them. And uh, the reading comes on from that. The others accepted his advice. That was good, wasn't it? They called in the apostles and had them flogged. Then they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus and they let them go. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house they continued to teach and preach this message Jesus is the Messiah. So when you're talking to someone, if they reject your word, do you, you know, and, and think, oh, I'm not listening to you, or they criticize you, um, if you're saying a Christian message to somebody, do you shrink back and think, oh, I'm not going to try that again? Do you give up? You know, it's, it's very confronting when people give you a hard time if you're standing up for Jesus. But these guys were, were whipped. I mean, that, that would have hurt they didn't do it lightly, they're whipping them with these these skins being torn off their backs and it's a disgrace for that to happen to people and, and yet they rejoiced that that happened to them. What an amazing scene. So I think when we, it's a good point to think of when we're out there talking to people about Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God, um, don't be worried when people say confronting things to you or reject it Just say, okay, I've done my bit. It's up to... God can lead them from there. But all you got to do is do your bit and stand up and say it. Um, And if they're going to abuse you, just let it go. Just let it go. So they've gone from denying Jesus and hiding when Jesus was crucified to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be healing and testifying in public, to be threatened with their lives, To not stopping, they were so on fire. To being flogged and rejoicing that they had to be, that they were flogged. And to be meeting every single day. And now they're going from house to house preaching the word. So I mean, that's not stopping. (laughs) They're on fire. And, and they're meeting every day. What a church. What a, what an amazing time. And so, and they were preaching that Jesus is the Messiah. Wouldn't it have been exciting back then? And couldn't it be exciting here right now? So we could be doing the same thing, going out and preaching. You know, we've, um, we've had 500 little... We, we bought 500 of these little Gospels of John. That's an exact replica of uh, the one that was put out uh, for the World War I service people. And it's a really beautiful little little uh, book and it's got a message on the front by a guy that was called Lord Roberts who was a hero of the men back then and it's a few hymns on the back that they used to um, have because a chaplain could have a service at any time anywhere in the field and it's an exact replica and it's a very easy thing to give away and on Monday night we went out into Blackheath and we were praying over the shops and handing out some of these and it was I mean, it was late at night, so there weren't that many people around. But, but one of us spoke to a young guy who's going to come to youth group, and we gave a few others out who really accepted them joyfully. And uh, one person didn't want to take it. That's fine. Um, but we have ordered 500. We've got 500 of these, and we're going to give them away at the Anzac service here on Anzac Day, and also um, Steve's going to do that, and Graham's going to be at Mount Victoria and we'll be handing them out there and I think if there's any left we'd like to go up to the shopping centre and give them away so if you'd like to join in come along uh, to the uh, early morning at either here or at uh, Mount Vic and we could obviously use more hands giving them away but want to step into it it's scary but it's a good opportunity these are very easy to give away and it might lead on to a conversation but If we're going to follow the early church, we know, look, we know we're filled with the Holy Spirit when we become a Christian. But there is so much more that you can reach into. So as a church, there's so much more that we can reach out into our community. And so it's a real challenge. But, uh, let's hope that we can just be filled with the Spirit so much that we'll seek more. In in our daily lives, we need to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Is there a gift that I should be seeking? You know, can I be brave enough to pray for healing for people that I meet in the street? Um, healing for friends, for work colleagues. Are you going to be brave enough to stand up for Jesus and to say the right thing at the right time? Do you want to seek more? Do you want to step into this? There is an exciting life as a Christian. It's not a boring life. It's an exciting life. And it's a life of joy and a life of faith. We're not meant, we're not going to go through an easy life being a Christian. Life can even be harder as a Christian. But what a difference it makes to have Jesus in your life. And you're going through all stages of life with him by your side. It just makes a total difference. Jesus' peace is something no one else can have if you haven't committed your life to him. And it's something that we need to share with people that the only way to be saved is through him. But the only way to live life is through him too. So... Let's pray that we can get so inspired that we can't hold it in. Let's get so excited that we can just seek more and more, more and more of God in our life, more and more of the Holy Spirit. And we know he wants to give, but he wants us to seek. So do you want to join me in prayer? And we'll seek. Thank you. Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to see where we stand in life. Help all of us to see about our faith, Lord. Where do we stand with you? To Help all of us to be bold, to stand up for you, Lord, to, to seek opportunities and to see the opportunities when they come. And Lord, then to be bold to say whatever we need to say, that you will lead us by your Holy Spirit what to say. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint people with power, power to heal. And when we're out in the public, Lord, there, I pray that you would come in power and help us to have your healing hand on people. And, Lord, I pray that you will be given such glory that we'll be able to reach out to this community and change people's lives. Lord, help us to stop being a small church. In a, uh, We might be a great church in a small community, but, Lord, I pray that we can really reach this community for Jesus. Let us make a difference to Blackheath and the upper mountains. Let us start by taking that step forward. Lord, I pray for everyone here who's seeking a more filling of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we pray that you will come in power and anoint the people, everyone here who's seeking more, that you will bless them with with that. Lord, we just praise you for how wonderful you are. We thank you, Jesus, for you died for us. I thank you, Lord God, that you were willing to send him because you wanted that relationship with us. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for the great things you've done, that you fill us with you. This is just such an amazing thing that we have God in our in our beings, in our lives, and in our bodies, in our spirit. And Lord, we pray that we can reach more. And Lord, I pray that you bless us, bless this church, and bless this community in Jesus' name. Amen.